Hi, 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 hi. You are listening to Earth to Joy, the planet-friendly podcast, and I am your host, Christelle, from naturaljoy.ca. First and foremost, I wanted to thank you so, so, so much for the love and support from my first episode. I was blown away from the responses and from people actually watching or listening to it other than myself. I'm really having a great time making these podcasts and recording and editing and all of that. So thank you again. So this episode, we are focusing on my eye procedure, some terms that you may or may not have known depending on where you are in your journey, and five new things that you could start doing to live a lighter life now. There are lots of things I want to cover this episode, but before we get started, I also wanted to share that I celebrated my 25th birthday, so my 25th rotation around the sun, and I just wanted to share what I did on my birthday and how I personally celebrated. I am a very big self-reflector, so every year I write myself a letter for next year, and then each birthday I read my letter to myself from last year me. So I read the letter that I wrote from 24-year-old me. In the same storage bin, I also found that I had a time capsule from when I was little. And I don't remember when I wrote this, but I knew that I had to open this time capsule on an iconic age. I didn't write anywhere what age I should open it on, but since 25 is such an iconic number and such a big deal for me personally, I decided to open it this year and it's fucking hilarious. Like, I thought that this was such a big deal and past joy left future joy, like such great gifts for this time capsule. But when I opened it, uh, first of all, it was like covered in tape like it was wrapped in tape so much that it literally took me five minutes and pairs of scissors to actually open this little container I mean obviously I wasn't fully aware of my environmental impact when I created this because obviously I wouldn't be doing this now but once I got through the 10 layers of tape on this container the first thing that's in this box was an empty Lindor wrapper. You could hear that. This is the wrapper. Um, it was the orange Lindor. And the first thought that I had when I opened this was that past joy is fucking trolling me. Obviously wanted to leave this piece of garbage to remind me that I'm gonna be an environmentalist in the future, I guess. So I flip open the container lid and see that there's a school picture here from 2007. I was 12 years old when I wrote this. I really had high expectations for what a 12 year old would tell a 25 year old. And so I continue to open this container. The second thing that I pulled out that I left for myself is orange dice. Very confused with that. And then I have a yellow flip-flop keychain. And then as well as a pink pipe cleaner stick person that I made. Honestly, not sure what I was expecting from myself, but these are so random. I truly did not understand why I left these for myself and what they meant to 12-year-old me. But luckily, I left myself some notes that clarified the items in there. I honestly think this is the year that I started writing myself birthday letters for next year. So this is a lot different than how I write to myself nowadays, but I'm going to read a few parts of it. <clears throat> Dear future me, you're probably reading this at a cottage. Uh, you're already wrong, bitch. I still really love, and then there's a huge 
like crossed out thing. I really can't see what's behind this. I think I know who I still liked at this time, but it's funny that I've crossed it out and then right beside it I put, LOL, you actually think I would stay on here? Well, my mom might read this and I don't want her to know. On Tuesday, me, Jen, Kimmy, Clara, and Ray watched Step Brothers. It was pretty good, except when Will Ferrell put his ball sack on the drums. <laughs> Like, why is that relevant? That is so funny. Anyways, I'm going to Buffalo for my birthday. On August 10th, we're going to Wonderland and I'm riding the behemoth for the first time. I'm pretty scared. Love, your younger self. I obviously autographed that letter and the next sheet of paper I had was actually just explanations of the items that I left for myself. So the first one was the yellow flip-flop. I left this here because I wanted to remind myself that yellow is my favorite color and I love flip-flops. And the dice is because I used to love dice, I guess. It just says dice equals love dice, smiley face. And then the stick person is to remind me that I'm talented with arts and crafts, which is very true. And get this the used Lindor wrapper was for me to remind myself that I'm fat what what why that's that's rude as fuck for 12 year old me to tell 25 year old me luckily I'm more confident in my body and I've accepted everything about my body and my weight that that's just hilarious to me now and I treat myself with a lot more respect than that and my letters have definitely evolved since I was 12 years old but I just wanted to share that before we started the episode because I thought it was hilarious. I could not stop laughing and I actually decided to make another time capsule for me to open when I turn 30 years old. So I'm excited to reopen that in five years, but I thought that was a really great idea. If you don't write letters to yourself or if you don't make time capsules for yourself, then I highly, highly suggest that. They're really fun to open. It's like a gift from past you. And why the fuck not? Another thing that's really important for me for my birthday is to celebrate with nature and with people that I love. So I did exactly that for my actual birthday. Me and my boyfriend just spent the day at a park just chilling in our own existence. Perfect way for me to spend my birthday. Absolutely loved it. Went home, had dinner with my family perfect simple covid free birthday celebrations it was amazing and i don't necessarily like receiving gifts for my birthday i do enjoy giving gifts for my birthday so i decided to donate 250 dollars to causes that really need the support and help right now and i chose to help out the nonprofit organizations that assist primarily black trans lives and the reason why I wanted to focus on black trans lives is because it really doesn't sit well with me that the only reason why they have a lifespan of 30 to 35 years old is because they're merely existing exactly how they want to live this life on earth and that's not fair whatsoever. So I donated to five black funds. You can find all the details on one of my posts under my Instagram naturaljoy.ca but I donated to GLI ITS, which provides housing to black trans people, the Heavenly Angel Project, which focuses on the trans women in New York City through COVID crisis, taking care of our own fund, which basically helps with financial support for black and brown trans or non-binary folks in the metro Atlanta area, Project Let's, which prioritizes the disabled, queer, and trans black folks, and last but not least, it is Venus Cuffs, which also 
ultimately supports the sex workers of color in New York. If you want more details or if you'd like to donate, please check out my Instagram post. It's the one with me and a bunch of sunflowers in my face. You will get the most details there. Honestly, I wish I could do a lot more than just donating, but that is the most I could possibly do right now and just spread more and more awareness as time goes by and hopefully we're able to see new world order in this generation, in this lifetime, but the most that I could possibly do is donate the little money that I have and also spread awareness of what's going on, especially last week and the whole situation with Jacob Blake and Kyle Rittenhouse or Kyle Lewis. That whole thing that happened in Wisconsin is fucking horrible and absolutely disgusting. I read over some of the articles and you could totally see the bias within the races and it's fucking disgusting to see some articles about Jacob Blake where you could totally tell this white supremacist bias whereas with Kyle Rittenhouse all of the articles are calling him an accused shooter like obviously I know Wikipedia isn't a reputable source but the fact that they don't even share Kyle Rittenhouse's name on their page is absolutely ridiculous they just mentioned that there was two protesters who were also fatally shot in a confrontation with an armed civilian. Other articles also mentioned that he was cleaning up graffiti and protecting a car dealership before the protests happened. There's pictures of him looking very innocent with a bunch of dogs and they blurred out his mother's face who need I remind you was the person who drove across states with an unregistered AR-15 to kill two protester. Not only are there videos of him literally saying I just killed somebody but he walked across police officers who didn't bat an eye to him holding an unregistered fucking gun. And then you have articles of Jacob Blake with his children on there who are minors without their faces blurred out but his mother's face is blurred out? His mother's face is blurred out who is not a minor and who is a full fucking adult whereas Jacob Blake's sons all have their faces plastered all over the news all over social media and none of them have blurred out their faces. And even if Jacob Blake had a warrant for his arrest in July 2020, that does not mean that the fucking cops are able to shoot him seven times in the back. Thankfully, he didn't die. He is paralyzed from the waist down. But the main goal, Rustin Sheshki, which is the police officer's name, was, was to try and kill him. It's point blank fucking obvious that that was the main goal of Rustin fucking Sheshki. What kind of name is that even? Like, pick a battle, dude. You can't have a shit name and be a shit cop man. Anyways, I'm sorry if that caused any triggers or trauma within you. That wasn't my intention. I just wanted to bring a little bit more awareness on that. And I hope one day I get to live in a world where black excellence and black joy is celebrated just as much as everyone else on social media and in the news and through celebrity. And if you're more exhausted from hearing about racism than actually experiencing racism, then fuck you hard. Fuck you hard. Goodbye. Wait, no, it's not actually goodbye. Please don't leave. It hasn't even actually begun. So let's start this episode. (laughs) I wanted to talk about a couple things for this episode. And although it is a planet-friendly podcast, it is also a very personal podcast to me as well. 
So I'll be talking about my eye procedure and the correction that I did with my eyes and what all of that entails. And I wanted to discuss a few eco-friendly terms as well because I realize that not everyone has the same knowledge that I have. And just to make the future episodes a lot more clear and understanding wherever you are on your eco-friendly journey, I wanted to address a few of those terms just so we're all on the same page and just so this podcast is understandable and accessible to everyone even if you're starting from square one. I'm also going to throw in five more things that you could change to live a lighter life because I got really great feedback on that for my first episode. So I'll give you five other really simple free things that you could do now. And as a disclaimer, I just wanted to let you know that I'm fully aware that big, large corporations and companies are the main sources of ecological destruction, but that does not mean that we aren't able to change a few things in our lifestyle to also help impact the world in a more positive light. Okay, let's get started. Ever since I was young, I've always needed glasses. I've never been able to see clearly, period. When I was little, I used to use my mom's glasses and she thought that I was just doing that for fun. She got really mad at me and I was like, no, I actually need your glasses to be able to see, mother. So she brought me to the doctors and I got my first pair of glasses when I was 10 years old. And then for the next 10 or so years, my vision just got worse and worse and worse until it finally stabilized when I was around 18 or 19. I'm negative 5.5 and negative 5.75. I also have astigmatism. Whenever I wore contacts, they would make my eyes very, very dry, very, very fast. So I tried to use monthly contacts and then went to bi-weekly, but ultimately my eyes couldn't take any more than daily contacts. So I have daily contacts, but I don't actually use them every single day, only on special occasions because I'm fully aware of the waste that having daily contacts have. That's at least two contact containers per day that's going into landfill which gives me a lot of eco-anxiety so I decide to use my glasses on a daily basis instead and only use daily contacts for special occasions. Every single contact that I've used the container that the lens comes in has been saved so I have so many contact containers saved in my room because I'm a hoarder and I can't bring myself to just throw it out in the garbage but I know that TerraCycle is able to recycle these contact containers responsibly so I'll do a video of how I do that once I do it but it actually got me thinking of what other waste that I have that's related to my eyes. So I went through my room to try and look for other things that might end up in the landfill that correlated to my eyes. Other things that I found were obviously old glasses frames and lenses, glasses cloths to clean the lens, the tool that some optometrists give you to tighten the actual frame, spray bottles for your lenses, the glasses cases for your glasses. Some people have eyeglass holders in their car like what I did. I also had the contact lenses and the containers that I mentioned, the contact cleaning bottles, the contact drops for when your eyes get really dry, as well as contact cases if you reuse your contact lenses. So if you add all of those 10 items up and you realize how often that you have to change or renew those items, you realize that it does come up to a lot of things that can be thrown out in the landfill. And all of that is now saved since I have eye correction and I don't need any of these items anymore. 
Mind you, the actual recovery isn't zero waste or low waste whatsoever. I do have a lot of eye drops that I need to put into my eyes and it does create a lot of waste because it's disposable eye drops and the bottles only contain like 0.05 milliliters of fluid. But in the long run, it does make up for all of the other waste that I have been contributing to the landfills throughout the years. So I actually did my procedure with Bachner Eye Institute. I do not regret it whatsoever. They were absolutely the best institute that I've ever been to compared to LASIK MD and TLC, which are both really popular eye institutions in Ontario. I really had a horrible experience at TLC as well as LASIK MD. So after my experiences at the two consultations that I went to, I decided to take a break and just do a lot more research for where I actually want my PRK procedure to be done. And that is where I stumbled upon Dr. Galani, who was the doctor who actually did my procedure. She works at Bachner Eye Institute, so I immediately set up an appointment and I told them that I really wanted this done for my 25th birthday. So they set up my appointment for August 20th, two days after my 25th birthday, and I went to the procedure. And on that day, they remember what we talked about during the consultation, followed up with what I talked about during that consultation, like working in the travel industry during COVID. And Dr. Galani actually sat down with me to ask how I'm feeling about everything and why I chose her for this procedure. I told her that I did a lot of research and she was the most trustworthy doctor that I found online, mainly from her reviews online as well as the fact that she was a woman of color, which is typically what I prioritize when I'm looking for health services. And her response to that is, yeah, I agree. I work with a lot of old white men. And she really appreciated my honesty with that. She also just mentioned that there aren't very many women of color in her field and she's really, really happy that it's such an important part of why I chose her. Bachner Eye Institute also never charged more for my PRK procedure than any LASIK procedure. So I only paid $5,400, all taxes and medication included in that. So you're probably wondering what the fuck is PRK procedures and why is it different from LASIK? Ultimately, the biggest difference is LASIK they cut open a flap to correct your eyes whereas PRK just completely removes that layer of your eye to correct your eye. So during the actual procedure they talked me through everything and what was going on because it was really difficult for me to see anything. All I saw was just a really bright green light everywhere and they put numbing drops in my eyes so I didn't feel anything but I heard everything and the laser was only on my eye for 15 seconds each eye. I'm sorry if you're squirmy and that makes you cringe, but that's just what I had to experience. The procedure length is the same amount of time. It's just the healing process that takes longer for PRK procedures. LASIK, you should be good after 48 hours to three days roughly, whereas the PRK procedure takes roughly a week and a day to two weeks to fully heal. Honestly, the entire thing, I was laying down for maybe five minutes max, and then they moved me to the resting room where they told me to rest for half an hour until a doctor actually double-checked to make sure that everything was good for my eyes. After that, I left the clinic for the day, and they just told me to sleep for the rest of the day, which is what I did. I had a checkup the day after the procedure was done, and then four days after the procedure was done just to make sure everything was great. The checkups were really, really great. The doctors were always so impressed that I actually was recovering very very fast and well. So the day that I'm recording this it's been roughly two weeks since I've gotten the procedure. I can see pretty far. I can start reading as well. Some days are easier than others on my head. 
but at night I could still see really big circles around the lights so I don't think it's really safe for me to drive at night yet. I haven't driven my car very much in the past two weeks anyways. Nothing really hurt too much when I was getting it done or afterwards during recovery. All it really was was it felt like really really dry contacts. It was difficult to see for the three or four days while the bandages were in my eyes and my eyes were constantly tearing up just to try to heal over that layer that was missing on my eye I guess and it was really hard for me to keep my eyes wide wide open so I did squint a lot during those three days when I had the contacts in my eye still once they actually took the contact bandage out of my eye my eyes were still a little bit sensitive but they started to feel a lot better afterwards but I wanted to throw that in there just in case you are considering eye correction surgery Ugh, it's just so empowering and so great to be able to see whenever I want now as soon as I wake up in the shower. So it's really, really great. I'm so happy with what I did. I'm just so happy that I don't need to buy any more contacts or glasses or spend more money on that. And I don't need to contribute to landfills with those items anymore. That's ultimately what makes me the happiest, honestly, is that I'm saving money and that I'm saving the landfill waste as well because that shit used to give me so much eco anxiety and that ladies and gents segues into the next part of the episode perfectly so the reason why i wanted to talk about some terms is because i know that not everyone is on the same level on their eco-friendly sustainable journey and i just want to make sure that everyone understands what i'm saying throughout all of these episodes and i use these terms a lot when i'm talking to myself and i realize that i'm not talking to myself during podcasts and I should really gauge my audience and see where they are at on their eco-friendly journey because I want this to be accessible and understandable to as many people as possible, even if that means starting from square one with terms and definitions. So if you already know these terms and definitions, then you're more than welcome to skip this part or have a really great refresher of what you know. All of the definitions that I'm going to be talking about, the sources are on Ecosia. And if you don't know what Ecosia is, that means you didn't watch my first episode and you suck but I'll let you know right now it is basically like Google but instead of using their profits to spy on us they're actually using the profit to plant trees for us it's a search engine and app that you can use and every 45 searches plants one tree so let's move right along to some terms first up is eco anxiety if you've never heard of this term ultimately it means that it is a chronic fear of environmental doom so it's a fear of an ecological collapse because of what the world is looking like and all of the events that are unfolding right before our eyes. It is not an official air quotation anxiety disorder or anxiety category, but I personally resonate with eco-anxiety a lot. And I feel like more and more people are getting more eco-anxious because of everything that's happening, especially with Trump's America, all the wildfires that are going on, all the hurricanes that are becoming stronger. It's very evident that eco-anxiety is on the rise because natural disasters and climate change events are on the rise as well. Things I do to calm my own eco-anxiety is to make more art and to spend time in nature. It's also really great to remind yourself that we are all just on a floating rock in the middle of space which is also infinite with a bunch of other galaxies all over the fucking universe and we really don't mean that much. I mean you could call it cynical but I'm just calling it reality. Like honestly if you're doing as much as you possibly can and you're conscious of your own actions 
you shouldn't guilt yourself or you shouldn't add extra anxiety for how the world is turning out because you in your world are doing your best. Cool, 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 cool. The next one I wanted to talk about was greenwashing. Surprisingly, a lot of people don't know or haven't heard of greenwashing. So let me be the one to enlighten you. Greenwashing is a scam. It's really easy to buy into because it's basically companies using PR methods to make consumers believe that some products or that company is more environmentally friendly than they actually are. It's a way for the company to deceive consumers to think that they're making a difference by buying this product, whereas that product has nothing to do or isn't helpful at all towards the planet. But people will buy into it thinking they are helping the planet. Some really, really, really great examples of this are H&M and their sustainable conscious line. That doesn't make sense because they are a fast fashion company who uses sweatshops and have multiple different trends and seasons with their clothing. If they don't sell their clothing within that season, they either mark it down tremendously or they burn them if it's still not sold within a certain amount of time. You cannot have a sustainable line within a fast fashion company. That does not make sense. And I'm sure in the grocery stores or department stores, you've seen this brand called 7th Generation who claims to be very eco-friendly, whereas their actual products are not. First of all, the packaging is still plastic. Second of all, none of their products are actually eco-friendly because if they were, they would have powdered dishwashing detergents or laundry detergents that were powdered in tin cans instead. And third, they're owned by Unilever, which is one of the biggest companies in the world that owns most of the products that you see in the grocery stores, including most of the foods, drinks, baby foods, soft drinks, ice creams, and detergents that you see in your local grocery stores. This company's total assets in US dollars is $85 billion. So if you convert that into Canadian dollars, that's $111 billion. Do you really think a company worth $111 billion cares about the environment or the products that they're selling or marketing? Fuck no. So if you see pretty green packaging in stores that say natural or eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, recyclable, don't believe that shit and look farther into it because those words aren't certified. There's no regulation towards those words and anyone could slap it onto any product. Which really sucks because people like you and I who actually want to help the planet are looking into these products and some of us are being greenwashed into buying them because it looks like it's the best alternative to everything else that you see in the stores. I want to make a whole separate episode of just spotting out greenwashing companies and products because it is really really easy and I am fooled a lot of times but you always got to do a little bit more research on what's actually within the product and the packaging, what the brand is trying to convey in their message and who owns that brand and how transparent are they with showing us the actual production of their products. And probably the last term I'm going to be mentioning today is intersectional environmentalism. So the definition of intersectionality provides a theoretical framework for understanding the ways in which various systems of oppression overlap and intersect, which creates a unique mode of discrimination and privilege based on multiple social and political identities. For example, intersectionality recognizes that homophobia, racism, speciesism, 
are often operating simultaneously and interdependent. So that's the definition from Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989. The source is from Sisoy Vegan on Instagram. So when I talk about intersectional environmentalism, it's basically bringing up the fact that if you consider yourself an environmentalist, you cannot be progressive if you don't recognize the intersectionalities within the groups of people that we should be looking out for. For example, a couple years ago, there was such a big movement to ban all plastic straws everywhere and all of these countries were on board and there's petitions going around everywhere for banning plastic straws and oh my god, they're horrible for the environment. And I was one of those people. I failed to recognize the privilege that I had to say to ban all these straws because I didn't consider the fact that plastic straws aren't just in cocktails at a restaurant. Plastic straws help out patients in the hospital and seniors in nursing homes. Other things you should be aware of for intersectional environmentalism is whenever you buy a t-shirt that says save the trees or save the whales or save whatever the fuck that you're not considering the sweatshops where these products and these t-shirts are made. Okay, I know I said that that was the last term I'm going to be sharing with you guys today, but I lied. I lied to your fucking face and I'm going to tell you guys two more definitions, sustainability and regeneration and the difference between the two. I know that sustainability and sustainable are really big trendy keywords right now that you're probably seeing a lot more than usual because it is something that a lot of people are starting to pick up and get the knowledge on. Again, if you see those words and those products aren't really legitimately eco-friendly and sustainable, then that's greenwashing. But sustainability's definition is causing little or no damage to the environment and therefore able to continue for a long time. Regeneration is what we actually are trying to aim for, which is to recreate, reconstitute, or make over in a better form or condition. So although that a lot of people are using the word sustainable and sustainable living and starting your sustainable journey, we're actually trying to get to a regenerative path and a regenerative life. Right now, we live in a very destructive life. It's very evident of that. And I just wanted to point out the differences between a destructive system that we're living in, a sustainable system where we're aiming to be, but a regenerative system where we're goal should actually be. And I wanted to give you an example for what that actually means and how that actually affects us in our everyday life. So I'm going to use food scraps and food waste as an example. What I mean by food waste or food scraps is any of the leftovers that you have that you just throw away, veggie skins or fruit skins that you don't eat or any food that is going to the garbage instead of in your mouth. So if we're talking about a destructive world and food waste, we would talk about how after we have this food waste we just throw it into landfill and once it gets to this landfill it's never actually decomposed in a efficient way it just stays in the landfill it heats up the landfill and it just causes a lot of destructive behavior and impact now food waste in a sustainable system would be composted or put into a green bin system to break down the food waste and then ultimately make that into fertilizer which we'll be able to use in gardens to make healthier vegetables and fruits and it becomes a circular system. But a regenerative system would make veggie stock out of the veggie waste 
or make fruit teas out of the fruit skins, or make fertilizer out of banana peels or eggshells, or all-purpose cleaner before they compost the lemons or oranges or lime peels that they have. So you're giving the food waste a second life before you actually throw it in the compost. That's the most regenerative thing that you could do with food waste, and that's kind of how to explain the differences between the three systems. I hope that gives you a better idea of those terms and the definitions and how they apply to our planet and our lives. I definitely have a few other terms that I wanted to talk about in future episodes. I just didn't want to bombard you with a bunch of boring terms like in like a lecture or something. So let me know if you have any other words or terms that you wanted me to talk about a little bit farther for you to better understand or for other people that are beginning to understand more. Alright, so moving on to the final part of this episode, I am going to be sharing five things that you could change right now that will let you live a lighter life on this planet in the most simplest and easiest ways. So recap of last episode, I mentioned that you should start using Ecosia as your search engine, start using up the products that you already have before you purchase anything else, sharing and signing petitions, watching documentaries to get yourself a little bit more educated, and reusing single-use plastics at least one more time to make it double-use or triple-use, quadruple-use if you can. The next five things are quite simple as well. Number one would be to find a home for each of your belongings instead of throwing it in the landfill or recycling if possible. So if you have old clothes, old furniture, anything in terms of household products, you can either sell it on Facebook Marketplace, on Bun's Facebook groups, or finding someone that you know that needs something similar to what you have. Finding an actual place for your belongings and giving them that chance to have another life with someone else is really important instead of just putting it in your garbage for it to be thrown out. I know that everyone is going back to school right now and there's a lot of videos with a lot of trash just everywhere from previous years and just cleaning up after other students. But truly, one man's trash is another person's treasure. So definitely, definitely try your best to find another home for your belongings so you know that it's not going into landfill or recycling. The second thing is to be the opposite end of that and start buying secondhand items through Buns, Facebook groups, through Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, etc, etc. It's more cost efficient, it's resource efficient, you could always DIY it to make it your own. It's a lot more rewarding because it's one of a kind, you're not going to be able to find it anywhere in the stores right now, and if anyone asks or compliments you on those items, you could literally brag and say that this is mine and you can't fucking find it anywhere else. I know that that's my favorite thing to do whenever I thrift and someone compliments me on a shirt or dress or skirt or shorts or anything. I love throwing the mm, oh it's thrifted hand because fuck you you can't get this at forever 21 or zara bitch i want to make that clear that i'm not derogatory or disrespectful whatsoever i would never call a woman a bitch or anything so let's just get that straight because everything gets taken out of context nowadays and i just want to make that very clear but let's move on to the next point number three is to stop getting junk snail mail so the way that you do this is you literally just leave a post-it or a little note for your mail carrier, whether that is the neighborhood mailbox or straight up just in the mailbox at your door. Just leave a note saying that you no longer wish to receive advertisement mail 
and they will stop. This is actually an official thing. You could see it in the FAQ of Canada Post. You just write your address. You write the request that you no longer wish to receive any mail that isn't addressed directly to you and they'll stop. They can't stop any advertisement or flyers or coupons that do have your name addressed to it, but they will stop all of the coupons or the packages that you get that you normally just recycle immediately after you get it in the mailbox. So instead of throwing out something that you never look at anyways, might as well just stop it altogether and let Canada Post know to stop giving you that shit and stop creating that shit. You feel me? I did this for our house years ago. One, you could get all the coupons or flyers that you need through apps on our phone now, so it is paperless. And two, it isn't necessary anymore. Like there's so much technology, it isn't necessary anymore. And I totally forgot that this was even a thing because it's not even a part of my life anymore. And I want it to not be a part of your life. I want you to tell your parents about this so it's not a part of their life. And we'll just eliminate the need for snail mail, junk mail, because that shit is so out of date. It's fucking 2020. Hashtag defund snail mail junk mail. And the next point, I've honestly lost track. I think we're on number three, maybe number five. That's a big difference. But anyways, the next point is to start being more mindful of the packaging your belongings or your purchases are in. So if you need to get anything packaged in plastic, make sure it's a thicker plastic material than a more flimsy one because if it's a thicker plastic, then it's more likely to be recycled than a flimsy plastic, which is really difficult to recycle. Obviously, in a perfect world, everyone would have accessibility to zero waste and no plastic packaging whatsoever. But ideally, if you're not able to find anything with no packaging for the products, no paper packaging, no glass packaging, the best thing moving forward would be to get packaging that has a thicker plastic that could be recycled more times than flimsy plastic. In my notes, I do have to purchase glass packaged products if possible, but then I realized that environmental intersectionality, a lot of neighborhoods and groups of communities won't have that access to glass packaging because they're not going to be offered in certain grocery stores or certain convenience stores, etc. So if that's not something that you can do, if you can't have anything not wrapped in plastic or if you can't have glass packaging, then that would be the best option for you. And that is completely okay because the whole point is just to be more mindful and more conscious of the decisions that we're making and making the best decisions we can for our planet. And last but not least, the final point that I wanted to make is to do a trash audit. So what I mean by that is just to be more mindful and conscious of the waste that you're producing and where most of this waste is coming from. Typically for me, it's usually food waste and that is still one of the biggest places where I do lack in zero waste and low waste practices because I don't live by myself. I don't live on my own. So it's really difficult for me to control that. Just be more mindful of where all of your trash is coming from and where it is the most predominant and focus in on that part of your house or focus in on that certain room in your house and maybe start from there with trying to lower your waste instead of overwhelming yourself and trying to change everything all at once altogether just start slowly by just recording where your trash is coming from and how you could reduce it in that area first some of you might be surprised where most of your waste is coming from i know before i started this low waste journey a lot of my waste came from the bathroom and the kitchen. So those were the main 
parts of my house where I saw the most waste through period products, bathroom products, beauty products, etc, etc. That was the biggest place where I had the most waste. So I want to help you decipher where most of your waste is coming from and how to alleviate some of that waste. I think the next few episodes that I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little bit of a series on it. So stay tuned for that. I am wrapping up this episode, but thank you so, so, so much for listening. If you have stayed this far, Thank you so much for your patience. It was really, really hard for me to get this episode up and running this week because I completely changed the whole dynamic of this episode. So I really, really appreciate your patience and support and love as always. If you'd like to take any of these conversations farther, feel free to DM me and follow me on Instagram at naturaljoy.ca. Check out my blog, naturaljoy.ca. And if you want the latest on this podcast, follow earth to joy Pod on Instagram. Thank you so much again for tuning in. If you have made it this far, I fucking love you. 